One of the greatest privileges I have as a, uh, as a, as a man is to be a dad. All my dads in here, where the dad's at? Okay, really excited about being a dad on Sunday morning, I could tell. There's arguments in the car on the way over here, I get it. Um, hey, listen, I, I, I love that I get to be a da- dad. You know, I have so many responsibilities as a dad. You know, men, it's our job to keep the family together. It's our job to keep the family together, to sort of say, this is our family, because we bear the name, right? My last name is Parrot, and my kids are all parrots, and yeah, there's plenty of jokes on that, I get that. But, but we're called to keep the family together. Like, we're called to fight for our family, to protect our spouse, to guard our children, to raise them up in, in a way that is honorable to the Lord. And, uh, you know, in a family where there's eight of us, one of the most difficult things I'm doing is trying to manage everyone's hearts and emotions. That's a really hard job to do because my default position is me first and their default position is me first. But what I got to do is I got to say, no, no, no. The default position in this house is family first. It's family first. We're, we're, we're caring about us for, first. This is why we often fight for time around the dinner table together. Because we know there's electronics and there's sports and there's dance and there's this and there's Marcy's got a job and she's doing seminary and I got a job and I'm working on things. We have to fight for time around the dinner table. We got to say we're sitting around this table where we're going to have real conversations and we're going to eat together and we're going to talk together. And in our family we have some, some ground rules. We love each other no matter what. We show respect. We give honor. We forgive. We work hard. And when we do things we shouldn't do, or when we sin against others, we repent and we make it right. And it's vital that as a family, we be all in together. But as a dad, I can tell you um, when my kids are off. I can tell you when my, my son might be discouraged or sad or my daughter might be hurt for some reason. I can tell when, when things aren't right in a in a child's heart. You, you parents know what I'm talking about. You can tell when something is just not right. When someone is, is not who they are, it's just not the same. So I, as I've been praying and thinking about this sermon, I, I really have been praying for you. I've been praying, asking, my, uh, asking the Lord, how is our family? How is our church family? Like this church family is more important than our earthly families. We are a family of God, God's eternal family, God's kingdom people. And how we live and act and breathe and how we treat one another and how we are committed to this is so important. We as God's family are to have really the same Savior, the same Spirit, be believing the same things and living on the same mission together. But we also know that in a room like this, at a church the size of this, that not everyone's doing healthy. Not everyone's doing great. I'm sure in this room there are some who are distracted. Maybe distracted by the world or maybe you're checked out on the things of God for some reason. Some are apathetic. You're looking for success somewhere else. You're numb to the needs of others or numb to the needs of the world. You're just sort of apathetic toward the things of God. The very word of God, apathetic. Maybe you're drifting, confused or thinking about other beliefs. Maybe you're not quite sure what you believe anymore for some reason about this or that. Or maybe your child is struggling sexually with 
certain cultural things and you're going, well, maybe, maybe I should believe that too. Maybe it's okay. And you're confused. Maybe you're drifting. Maybe you're struggling. You're struggling in sin personally. You're tiptoeing with things you shouldn't mess with. And you are close to maybe falling over the ledge. Maybe you're struggling in a health condition personally. Struggling with issues that you never thought you'd have to face. And then I'm sure someone in our family are honestly lost. You're really confused about Christianity as a whole. And you're not really sure what it means to get to eternal life. Maybe you're confused and you think things are okay, but really when you see past your own life, deep into your soul, things aren't right. And then others are, I'm sure, are doing great, living on mission, praising the Lord. All those things are good. As your pastor, part of my responsibility is to look you in the eye and to make you ask the question, how am I doing? How am I doing spiritually? How am I doing with God's people? How am I doing with my walk with God? I, I'm called to keep watch and make sure you are all in with God and his word and his people. I get to remind you of whose you are and who you are with your identity in him. I mean, I, I'm, I wonder if, if we aren't all in with our Christian faith, then what good will we be against standing, uh, standing against the devil? If we're not all in as the church, then what good are we at living with urgency to see people saved? And if we ourselves aren't all in with our Christian faith, then what does it say about our faith? If we aren't deeply devoted to Christ, deeply committed to his word, formed by his word, committed to his people and devoted to his mission, then what good are we as God's kingdom people if we're just sort of checked out? I want to remind you today of this truth, that God went all in with you so that you will go all in with him. And I think this is what we see from John chapter 3, verse 16. Some of the most important words my kids will ever hear is, I love you. The same is true for God's people. The verse more clearly says that, uh, no verse more clearly says that than John chapter 3, verse 16. This is, uh, Billy Graham said, this verse sums up the whole Bible. This is the gospel in one sentence. This verse holds the purpose by which God sent Jesus, the purpose of which Jesus came, and the purpose for which you and I are now called. It speaks to the love and the plan of God. Let me put it in context. John chapter 3, Nicodemus, this uh, Pharisee and ruler of the Jews, comes to Jesus at night in darkness and sort of ignores the prejudices against Jesus. And he comes because of Jesus' all these works he was doing, and he comes curious, seeking who he really is. And Jesus turns Nicodemus's religion on its head, saying that entry into God's kingdom isn't gained by being good, but by being born again. Then he must turn his, that, that Nicodemus must turn from his ways and his thinking and put all of his faith in Jesus. He must trust that Jesus is who he said he is and came to do what Jesus came to do. So Nicodemus wrestles with these things and then Jesus just says, you must trust in me. As Nicodemus is wrestling because he had only knew salvation to be for the Jews. But Jesus is saying, no, salvation is for anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. And so John, writing this book, steps out of that story and he gives this application. Chapter 3, verse 16 is an application to the story 
of Nicodemus. And he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want us to see four things today, four truths that I believe hold the key to sort of unlocking what God has called you to in this life. First, the degree of God's love. The degree of God's love. For God so loved the world. This word so means in this way. It means, uh, it sort of magnifies the intensity of God's love. He so loved, we're going to see the magnitude of his love shown in the rest of this verse. When you hear the words, he so loved the world, don't think about how many people God loved. Don't think about how many people God loved. Think about the kind of people God loved. What kind of people does God love? It's kind of like me saying, I love ice cream. But what I really mean is, I love cookies and cream ice cream. Man, I love that stuff so much. It's the best ice cream there is. Speaks to God's agape love, a deep affection and benevolence, a a kindness of God. It's kind-hearted love. So what kind of people does God love? He loves the unlovable. He loves the broken, the hurting, the outcast, those who don't qualify socially, those who are deceived by and trapped in sin. Those who are confused sexually, addicted personally, and hiding hopelessly. Maybe you don't feel like you, you come from a great family. You don't have a great story. You didn't have a mom or a dad, or you didn't know your parents, or you were beaten or abused, or you don't come from much, or even right now you're sitting in a spot where you're living in sin and you're seeking things you shouldn't be seeking in, and yet you're desperate and hurting and you stumbled in here today or you've joined us online and you're like, I just want to see what this church has to say. I want you to know that you're the kind of person that God came to love, that God came to love you. You might be a Christian here today and you might be sinning right now or hiding in sin. I want you to know that God loves you. That he came to love you and he comes to pursue you. The good news is that God loves those who are nothing special. Those who are just sort of ordinary. God loves people like you and me, sinners like you and me. Romans 5.8 tells us this, that God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like a letter sealed in an envelope, so does the love of God envelop you and me. He loves us and there's nothing that we can do for him not to love his people. And this is good news for you distracted, drifting, apathetic Christian, that God loves you. Do you believe that God loves you? Are you thinking all my sin, all my shame, there's no way God loves me? Believer, those words are not true and they're lies that the enemy is telling you. Because God's love has covered you in the cross of Jesus Christ, and that's good news. Now, if you're not a believer here today, you're not a converted person, you've never given your life to Christ, well, today you can know the marvelous love of God by giving your life to Christ and being forgiven. Don't wait, because God loves sinners who come to him in faith. So we see the degree of God's love. Number two, we see the demonstration of God's love. The demonstration of God's love that he gave his only son. 
that he gave his only son. We're told here, notice this, don't miss this, that it was God who gave his son. God gave his son. That word gave means to supply or to give something up, to give what is due. God witnessed the the willful rebellion of his people, Old Testament Israel. He watched them succumb to idols and desires. He watched them disobey his commands. And like Old Testament Israel, so have we. We've disobeyed him. We've succumbed to idols and desires. We've given our hearts to other things on earth at times. But still, God here, this tells us that Scripture really indicts all of us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it was God who gave up his son to the cross for your sin. It was God who delivered his son, his one and only son, over to be tried, to be mocked, to be spat upon and beaten, to have a crown of thorns placed on his head, to be stripped naked, ridiculed, laid upon the cross, nails driven into hands, into his hands, and put up before all the world to see. Are you numb to that story? Are you numb to a bloody cross for your sin? Does that move your heart when you sing about it? If not, then check your heart, right? Check your heart like, man, God loved me despite my sin to put his own son in my place. Move my heart, Lord. Awaken my heart, Lord. Is that your prayer today? God, would you awaken my, oh man, have I grown numb to this truth? Every Sunday's Easter, celebrate the resurrection today. You have new life in Christ because of the cross. Amen? Sometimes this world is tricky. And it steals from you and takes from you. And it makes you believe lies. And God says, keep your eyes on that cross where my love is demonstrated for you. The focus of John 3.16 is the great love of God demonstrated by the greatness of the gift he gave to man. 1 John 2.2, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God, uh, Jesus appeases the wrath of God coming against our sin. How great was this gift? It was the best gift, his one and only son, meant to reconcile the relationship between you and God, between God and man. We rejoice over this truth. Why? Why does he do this? Number three, the availability of God's love. The availability of God's love that whoever believes in him, this line speaks to who can be saved. Only the good people. Only those who keep my law perfectly. That's what it says, right? No. It says whoever believes. Your text may say whosoever believes. Anybody who would come to the cross of Christ and put their faith, no matter how terrible your sin is or your life is, if you put your faith in Jesus, he will save. Salvation is universally exclusive. It's available for all, but only possible for all who believe. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the love of God is for anyone and everyone with a heartbeat. It is good news for sinners. You can be the worst of people. Come to God through faith in Jesus, 
and be forgiven and set free. Tim Keller said it this way. The gospel says joyfully, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've been at the gates of hell. You can be welcomed and embraced fully and instantly through Christ. That's my story. Is that your story today? Is that your story? See, if you're a Christian today, then let your love of God be invigorated by this, by 1 John 4, 19, which says, we love because he first loved us. You know Christ because God has set his love on you. And if you're not a Christian today and you're sitting there wondering, how do I become a Christian today? First know that God loves you. He set his love on you. He's calling you to believe in him because his love is available to you today. And number four, the intent of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Some of the words used by Jesus in the New Testament to describe the penalty of sin are lost, torment, condemned, punished, or punishment, fire, hell, and here in John 3.16, perish. To perish means to die in your sin. That's what perish means. The Bible speaks of three kinds of death. It speaks of physical death, the separation of the soul from the natural body. It speaks, secondly, of spiritual death, that's separation from God because of sin. Get this, you can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. This is why people seek to find pleasure in all kinds of wicked things. They are physically alive, but their soul is searching for something to satisfy them. So they seek it in alcohol and sex and all kinds of addictions. And they seek to ruin their lives because they're seeking for something that would fill that spiritual hunger in their soul. And Jesus says, I'm the one. This is why Jesus tells Nicodemus, listen, you're trying to enter God's kingdom by being a good person. And it's not about your physical actions, but it's about your spiritual heart. And Jesus sees through his questions into the depths of his soul like he sees into your soul right now. And he says, what you need is you need spiritual birth. You need to be born again. It's not what you do, but it's what you need in your soul. And Jesus offers salvation, spiritual birth to those who would come to him in faith. The third death you see is eternal death, eternal separation from God because man chooses to remain separated from God in sin. See, the purpose of God's love seen in the sending of his son is the salvation of man. God sent him to die in our place so that we would turn from our sin and have eternal life and not see eternal death. But those who die in their sin without Jesus as their substitute, enter into eternal death or hell or punishment, and they are condemned. But Jesus himself, in his own words, says the following. He articulated what he came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. He came to give abundant life in John 10.10. He came to set us free, Luke 4. He came as the living bread to give eternal life, John 6. He came to be the sacrifice for our sins, and put to ease the wrath of God coming against our sin. He came as the good shepherd to lay down his life for us. He came as the light to bring us out of darkness, and he came not to be served, 
but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Even the New Testament apostles affirm all these things. He came to be the savior of the world in 1 John. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save sinners, sinners like you and like me. He came to, take, to taste true death so that we would not have to taste it ourselves. That's Hebrews 2. The scriptures are overwhelmingly clear that you can escape eternal death by putting your faith in Jesus Christ because God loves you. He sent Jesus to die in your place for your sin so that whoever would believe in him would not taste death but have everlasting life. Do you have that? Are you awakened to that reality today? Because what has taken place is that you and I have entered into God's eternal kingdom. If you want to know the heart of God, look no further than this body today of broken, sinful, ordinary people. I know your mom and dad probably told you you're going to be the next whoever. Dan Marino. That ages me. But we were all just sort of ordinary people in our own minds. But today, you are royalty. Church, you're royalty. You are sons and daughters of the high king, the great God. And that is worth celebrating. Look at us. Uh, We're all different. We're all unique, all saved. If you're not saved, you should get saved today. You should give your life to Jesus today and join this incredible thing that we get to do weekly with millions of people across the world because God's kingdom is not shrinking like someone have you believe. God's kingdom is advancing. And God's kingdom cannot be shaken despite whatever diseases or wars or whatever. This kingdom can't be shaken. And some of y'all need to remember, as your life might be falling apart, that God's kingdom cannot be shaken. I got out of the way from my notes. Sin is forgiven, new life is given, and God's kingdom is entered through the saving work of Christ, accepted by faith. We belong to Christ today, not not someday into the future. We today already are in God's eternal kingdom. Some of us are in heaven right now, and some of us are on earth right now. But in heaven, what they're doing is gathering and praising God around the throne, and what we're doing on earth is gathering and praising God on the throne, and we still have the opportunity to go live for his mission and invite others to join us. We are in God's eternal kingdom right now. It says in Galatians 2.20 that it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who died for us. Who lives, uh, we now live by faith in the uh, Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So what does all this mean for you today? It means that God went all in with you so that you will go all in with him. Not half in, not some in but all in. See, the gospel of salvation and life has its source in the great love of God, which means we can go all in with him. We can bring our burdens to him. We can bring our sin to him. We can bring our struggles to him. We can bring our broken families to him. We can bring it all to him and say, I need help. I, 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 can't, I can't get this together. Lord, I need help. See, the mission of God has become the mission of his people now. We're not called to only believe John 3.16 and memorize John 3.16, but to live John 3.16 and share John 3.16. When we don't have a proper love for God and love for the lost, 
and we refuse to tell the lost about Jesus, what we end up doing is denying John 3.16. And there's not a one of us who wants to deny John 3.16. We want to live it out and believe it with our life because just as God sent his son to see the salvation of man, and just as Jesus came to give his life for the salvation of man, if you're in Christ today and a believer today, so now have you been empowered by the Holy Spirit to take this mission of God to others, to see the salvation of man. See, God is pursuing people for his kingdom. His kingdom is pushing back darkness. His kingdom is not retreating because God is in pursuit of people still. Like an arrow aimed at a bullseye is God's love for you. And that feels great, doesn't it? Doesn't that feel good? Maybe you just need to remind yourself, God loves me. God loves me. But here's the other truth. God's love is also aimed at your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your family member who doesn't know Jesus yet. And I'm sure they would love to know that same love of God is aimed at them if they would trust in him. And you have the answer to give them. You have the answer to give them. And we've been called to this. Everywhere you and I go, there are people in need of the gospel. So listen today. If you're distracted, apathetic, drifting, or struggling, then you are right where the enemy wants you. And as long as you, sh- as you stay there, his foothold is going to get grow- stronger and stronger. But today, you need to perk up because God knows and God loves you and he is wooing you back and calling you to trust and love him again. He's calling you, wooing you back. He's talking to you. He said, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And Romans 2 says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So if you're here today and you're like, I got sin, I got stuff, how how does God love me? God loves you. And so what you can do is you can step in that truth and that freedom by repenting. God, you know my sin. God, I need to share this with someone. God, I need to invite someone else in. God, I know you love me and I need to get out of this sin. I need to get out of this situation. I need to ask for prayer. I need help. Your step of obedience is what matters most. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, maybe you've realized through the course of this sermon you don't know him, well, here's what you can know. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 1 John 5, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Entering God's eternal kingdom comes by believing in the saving work of Christ accepted by faith. Have you trusted in him? Have you believed? If not, then hear the word of the Lord. For God so loved you that he gave his only son for you, that you may believe in him and not perish, but have eternal life. Let's bow together.